0: We're the gals and we're back at it again. You, you're, you I apologize in advance. My throat's a little, so bear with me. If my voice sounds strained, it's not my fault. My body's just against me. What did you name your body? <laughs> a bitch named Cynthia. Let me tell you, she
1: never likes to listen. Ugh. Fuck that bitch named Cynthia, you know what I'm saying? All right, let's <laughs> go.
0: So we have a little bit of everything for you this week. And we're going to start with something that is still very prominent, very much alive, no pun intended, and, um, and it's COVID. More specifically, the COVID vaccine. So as you know, or if you don't, they've been trying to develop a COVID vaccine for the past year now, and it is apparently being pushed um, through, and they have a, an actual meeting in December, so be on the lookout for that. Normally, a vaccine takes years to be produced and approved. You have to go through, first of all, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, and then the Center for Biologics um, Evaluation and Research, which is CBER. You have to make sure that it goes through an exploratory stage, preclinical stage, clinical development, regulatory, manufacturing, quality control. You have to run multiple investigations on it. You have to have many clinical trials. There's just a lot of steps. But COVID seems to be fast-tracked. Um, and it's not that they're starting from scratch or anything to develop a COVID-19 vaccine. They're basing it off of past research on SARS and MERS vaccines, um, which were previous diseases that we had. Or excuse me, not diseases, um, infectious diseases things because they're very similar in structure with the crown-like service. Uh, They have spike-like structures on them, which are called S-proteins, and these spikes create the crown, which is why it's called corona. Corona means crown. Uh, But aside from that, a vaccine that targets the S-protein is what they're trying for. But with SARS-CoV-2 proteins, it's a little bit harder. They're a little stickier. They're a little bit more resilient. They're like, nah, we're here to stay. So in hopes of, you know, prying them off of us or off of their cells or trying to kill them in their own habitat, uh, they've been pushing for a vaccine. Now, the main company that's been pushing for this is P. Fitzer, or Pfizer? Pfizer. Pfizer, yeah. Pfizer,
1: <laughs> love that. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I I appreciate that you made sure the P wasn't silent. That's mad respect. Of course, I
0: try. I believe that they are German, German-based company mm-hmm. in New York, and they specialize in biotechnology. Um. So after conducting their final efficacy so that's their like phase three of study on their potential vaccine they've been as i said they've been going at this for a little bit but their mrna-based covid vaccine candidate which is the bnt 162b2 which is just a location what they're targeting um met all of the study's primary efficacy endpoints so it met like all of the Uh, regulations and protocol that they were supposed to meet. So with that in stock, fuck, what? Why am I messing up so much? With that being said, they have scheduled their meeting for, I believe, December 14th uh, with the FDA to get it approved, well, to get it into its final steps of approval. Um, Analysis on the data indicates that the vaccine efficiency um, is about 95%. But its participants are all adults over the age of 65. So we have no collective data on anybody that's younger or with like disabilities. It's mostly just one group of individuals that they see to be being hit the hardest by COVID as we know are our older folk. So that is their target group. The participants had no SARS-CoV-2 infection, which was their primary objective. And in each case they measured from seven days after the second dose. So the first dose, they gave them seven days after that. Then they started another seven days for their second dose. And they based it off of 170 cases of COVID-19 that they had. So out of that, 162 cases were observed with the placebo group versus the eight cases that actually had their experimental BNT uh, vaccine. And it was seen that 94% of that showed positive results. Now, 94% of it, (laughs) not very good statistics, Mm -hmm, but it is what we have currently. And that's another thing. They like to throw out a lot of these large numbers saying 95% success rate, 94% success rate. Success rate from what? You have to make sure that you understand uh, the numbers behind it, how large the trial group was what was the target group and like how many individuals they actually gave the vaccine to. I implore that you also check these out yourself because it is important to do self-research so that you understand it. So with this COVID-19 vaccine, they're using what they have as the results and basically rolling with it saying that they have enough now. Of course, they are going to conduct more trials, but they're hoping to have vaccines roll out by the end of this year. And as you know, it is November 22nd. We don't have very much left of this year, thankfully. Um, However, and this is my own personal opinion that I'm interjecting here. I do not believe that that is enough time, even though they are using prior research um, to base this vaccine off of, to roll out a vaccine. I believe that they haven't done enough studies yet. They're only using older individuals thus far they need to have a wider clinical trial study. They need to have individuals, babies, babies can get COVID. Babies have gotten COVID. I see it all the time. I work in the ER. It's a sad sight, but it is our reality, unfortunately. So um, obviously you cannot test on a child. That is unethical and laws. There are laws in place that are prohibit that, but they should get a younger focus group that are willing, that are voluntary and um will test the COVID-19 vaccine that they are trying to put out. Because as you also know, uh, with our new president, who is going to be the actual president come January 20th, he would like to make this trial vaccine uh, mandatory, especially in the healthcare workers department. and And as I said, this is my own personal opinion. I do not believe that a vaccine that has had a not even a full year to develop with limited trials and that deals with mrna should be mandatory we do not know the full side effects we do not know fully how it will you know mess with our own genetic material there is always a possibility of us picking up genetic material from the vaccine and I, there's just not enough information to back it up yet for me. And I do not think it should be mandatory. It's just my personal opinion. I don't know what you think, my
1: lovely partner in crime. but um, I get what you're saying. Totally. I, I think it is super fishy that they rushed it this fast. They're like calling the FDA for emergency approvals and stuff. My other thing is like there's just been no time to test for the long term effect. So, yeah, we can see in the short term if it helps or if it prevents something or if it, you know, helps people out with, with COVID in the moment or prevents you from getting it. But once you've gotten the vaccine, you know, there has not been any time for you to test what it's like in a couple months. Like if there is any adverse thing after it being in you for a, a period of time, you know, like, like you said, there's just not they ha- there has not been enough time for them to really check thoroughly about this vaccine and what it does to people. But what the way things are going and it's gonna happen. It's gonna probably be mandatory for healthcare workers. And first, um what's it called? Like essential people. I think after healthcare, it's definitely gonna go to all the essential workers or low income people. They always love to test on the low income. And I guess we'll see what happens.
0: When they don't have enough guinea pigs, they're always like Our our front line deserves to be protected. And it's like, now you want to take us into consideration when we can be your guinea pigs? No. Test it on yourselves.
1: (laughs) Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. But it is probably going to get approved before the end of the year with how rushed everything is. I see it happening.
0: I agree with you on that. I mean, already making an appointment for December with the FDA. Yeah, that's crazy. It's mm-hmm. not even been a full year. Well, I guess it has now been a f- no. It has not been a full year. I digress. <laughs> has not been a full year. So keep on the lookout for COVID nineteen vaccination updates, of course, on the FDA and CDC websites. And how do you pronounce them? P Pfizer.
1: Pfizer. <laughs>
0: Okay, and P Pfizer
1: just forget. Oh, got it. <laughs> Wait, the P is silent. Yes, that's why it's called Pfizer. I thought it was called Pfizer. No, take out the P. The P is just there to style on hose.
0: Okay, I apologize for being illiterate, y'all. T- today is a day, Pfizer please keep a lookout for the Pfizer group and their updates on their clinical trials. Yep. But moving from our wonderful COVID-19 vaccination.
1: We about to hop right into cancer. That's what we're doing. So we've got <laughs> not, uh, panic laughter. Panic uh, laughter, <laughs> This next story we got is, uh, is interesting. It's, one, it's a world. It's an international story. It's from Martinique. Um, which is little Caribbean, like French West Indies, technically, Uh, sort of close to the coast of Venezuela in that kind of in that Caribbean Sea area. I try to give you a little, trying to triangulate the location for y'all. But there are, there's a lot going on there, specifically because a lot of the people that live on Martinique are saying that they have been poisoned by a carcinogenic pesticide it's a it's a thickum story so so let's try to give you the the meat and potatoes of it so as i just said you know martinique is in the french west Indies. so it's one of the caribbean islands that has had a really what was colonized by france and had a really strong french um impact so for a lot of times as most colonizers be france used this island as a big-ass plantation, you know, taking its resources, having its people work for things that would be shipped to France. One of the biggest things Martinique was known for was bananas. So there were just tons of banana plantations. Nearly everyone on the island who, around the 1980s, that's really when this this all occurred, um, would work there at least one or two men in every family worked at a banana plantation at that time. That was the only source of income for a lot of them. So, in 1981, the French authorities advised the use of chlorodicone. I don't know. It's wild, sis. Um, Mm -hmm. Chlorodicone as a pesticide in the banana plantations. Mind you, they started this in 1981, but The World Health Organization in 1979 said that this pesticide was potentially um, carcinogenic and then the United States in 1975 had already stopped using it. But France was like, can't see that. 1981, they said, let's use it in our banana plantations. In 1990, nine years later, that very pesticide was banned. However, France lobbied and got permission to use the rest of its stock. So Martinique was using this carcinogen, um, this pesticide, until 1993. So now they haven't used it after that because it's banned in the world. It was banned as a strong carcinogen. Now, a lot of the younger folks are, are getting older, growing up, and majority of the men are having cases of thyroid disease, Prostate cancer, um, other cancers in women and young and girls that worked on those plantations are also on the rise. And we're like, wow, why does everyone have cancer? So it turns out because they had used so much of the of that pesticide for so long, the water and the very soil of Martinique had been poisoned. So for decades after they stopped using it, anything they have been growing on the land have been all passed on with this pesticide in it. They a lot of fishermen can't even fish in the local waters because the waters, the rivers, and the coastal waters are also contaminated. After recent tests in 2018, 92% of all of the people that live in Martinique have traces of chloridecone in their blood. Like everyone. That lives on the island has this in their bloodstream so that obviously sucks ass uh the the island has started there's a lot of grassroots organizations you know trying to get retribution from france to be like bro we're dying of cancer over here and you literally did it to us even even when you knew that it was bad like what in 2018 uh the the French president, Emmanuel Macron, finally accepted, like, responsibility, so France, so he was like, okay, this is an environmental scandal, France was obviously collectively blind about this issue, like, I take responsibility, like, we as the French people take responsibility for for letting this happen. That year, there was a law passed to create uh, a compensation fund, you know, as you do for all the agricultural workers and their families that you know, had suffered from or are starting to suffer with, uh, you know, anything that could have been because of this pesticide. So like, you know, like any injury loss, like civil lawsuit thing, there's a a, a fund, you know, like the, like the 9-11 fund where all the families would get some stuff or help and the first responders would get help for their, for their medical problems. Same idea. Now that was in 2018. It is 2020, almost 2021. And no payouts have started for any of the people on Martinique so that's crazy absolutely fishy so obviously there has been riots and protests a lot of advocates have are were put on are going to be put on trial in january for you know inciting riots and really trying to get the word out to get people to know that they're a small country but they're suffering Uh, there's a 25 year old with blood cancer they're like even if you weren't alive to work on those plantations, if you were born in that country and you eat the, the food of the land, you you can you can just as easy get cancer. So no one is right. Right. So now we're like, all right. So everything is basically poison. Everything, land, water, soil, everything is basically poisoned and it's been that way for decades and people and a lot of signed environmental scientists are saying it will probably be this way for the coming decades it's not that's not easy to fix oh my god yep so now we're like okay if france if if france commissioned the use of this in 1981 but other countries have stopped had stopped doing it 5 years prior 6 years prior why did france commissioned this pesticide even after the world health organization had said this was a potentially carcinogenic thing in 79 and france was like "Uh, we're still going to use it why so a couple historians started looking into the original documents that ordered the pesticide be used come to find out the official body the official uh, documents that like uh, approved that um that were signed in 1981 disappeared under mysterious or unknown reasons so the investigation is kind of, like you they really don't know how the decision was made they, all the all of the papers were gone and no one has found them wow
0: that does not seem fishy at all you know that seems not
1: seems at all totally fishy deep. totally legit
0: of course what lost documents
1: that happens all the time i don't know her yeah so it's an ongoing battle, y'all. No one has been paid out. The country's still suffering. And it seems like no one has heard their cries. So there's tons of riots and, you know, and protests happening to get friends to listen to the people that they did this to. So it's still a developing story. As you know, a lot of activists and grassroots stuff are, are still going on. So I'd say, you know, keep up with the story, look into it if you can. It's not fair that the rising amount of people born with and like who develop cancer at an early age because the only food available to you is what you grow on your island and it's poisoned.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. That's inhumane.
1: Right and there's just just one quote from uh some somebody that they interviewed that I just thought was like so powerful so I clipped it um it's by Ambrose Burton so he was one of the people that worked on those banana plantations and he's you know involved with grassroots stuff he had prostate cancer and had a surgery for that but still has thyroid disease so he is definitely affected and it's uh, what he said just shook it was just got me he said first we were enslaved Then we were poisoned. Wow. (laughs) That's
0: saddened. I'm saddened. Yeah. We can only hope for the better at this point.
1: Yeah, I I hope them well in in their efforts to get France to start taking better responsibility. Right. We have to hold these countries accountable. That is absolutely correct. Rolling into our next story I've I've got you guys again Um, We're going to shift gears To the skies now I I hope I hope you all remembered uh, It was only about two years ago So in 2018 Yeah, 2017, 2018 um, The Boeing Max, so those big ass Planes, the 737s And uh, the multiple Horrific plane crashers that there were yeah so there was one the one flown by Indonesia Indonesian air that plunged into the sea and 346 passengers died that was in 2018 um and there was another one I believe earlier that year somewhere in the middle east i just can't recall it right now but but so the the boeing 737 max is is a a type of plane so it's it's bigger it's yeah it's just a bigger plane however because of the multiple crashes that had happened in this same year everyone was like what is wrong with the planes it's it's only 737 is going down and this is more plane crashes than we've had in a while and hundreds of people are dying because these planes hold so many passengers come to find out after thorough investigations there were a series of like mechanical and electrical things wrong with the boeing itself mm-hmm. it's been 2 years they were taking off the market like so no like airline would fly a 737 until it got their act together so getting their act together would mean in an ideal world fix the plane, fix everything wrong with it, get all those electrical things updated and then get reapproved by the FAA. So, right. The,
0: you Logical. know, the Federal
1: Aviation Administration. So everyone is like, okay, Boeing, fix your stuff, if you get reapproved, then there's no reason not to fly the plane again. So, 2 years after all those deadly crashes, the Boeing 737 was just approved again by the FAA. To be flown, a lot of people are still super like a lot of airlines are still super cautious. (laughs) The only um country that has chosen to fly it this year is America. Hehe, because why not? So America is the only airline like American like flying American is the only U.S. airline to use seven eight use the seven eighty seven. So, Southwest isn't using it. Delta isn't using it. JetBlue not using it. It's American that's going to be using it. Um, And it will be the first time that the 737 will fly in the last two years. So, that will be a round trip from New York to Miami on December 29th. So, if any of you are slated, you might be on Boeing.
0: Oh, my God. That's terrifying.
1: Yep. Um, Other... Um, other, like, airlines will start flying in the second quarter of 2021. They're, like, not going to be the first, but we'll get back on it. So United and Southwest will start to fly around um, March-ish of next year. So, So some, a lot of consumer groups are, like, please disclose if you have people going on a 737 flight. Like, you know, when they start booking stuff, people are like, please let them know. Because like if people are not comfortable being on that, they shouldn't be able, they shouldn't have to board. Um. So now another one of the other big points of contention is that Boeing, you know, the 737 was decommissioned, well, taken off because of the electrical and mechanical problems. Did they fix it? A lot of people assume, well, yes, to be approved by the FAA, they should have fixed it their problems they should you know be fine to be approved again um and that is what they are saying is that they you know they met the FAA standards to be flown again however I, i'm going to play devil this is me now i'm going to play some devil's advocate when they flew before and they had those crashes they were FAA certified so I would like to see more evidence, more, you know, more people talking about what they fixed, how they fixed it, you know, to gain FAA approval. Um, if they had it before and they still crashed, I want to know what's different this time around before people start boarding again.
0: Oh my God. So I want- yeah, it'd be nice mm-hmm. to list off everything that was wrong and then show me how you fixed it and
1: then... Then maybe I'd buy a plane ticket from you, right? So now a lot of the people who lost family in the original crashes, oh, the Ethiopian crash, not the Middle Eastern one, um, the Ethiopian crash. A lot of families that have lost people from uh the Indonesian and the Ethiopian crashes, they mm-hmm. do not trust it. They're saying this is a plane that we was assured to be safe and crashed not once but twice. Obviously, safety is not a priority for this company, so. And, and I'm, I agree with them. We're going to need a little bit more than, appro- than FAA approval this time around. I, I Yeah.
0: <laughs> I need you yeah. to show me the blueprints.
1: Facts. Mm-hmm. And you know one of the craziest thing, though? What? So these planes were decommi- like were off the roster for like two years. And now they got the clearance to fly again, right? After t- two years. Some of the legal cases of the families that lost people have not even been processed yet against Boeing, like, in the courts. So some families are still waiting for their case against Boeing to happen. And Boeing literally just yeeted
0: past that and was like, yeah, we're back on the market.
1: Yeah, so it's... I could see how it's definitely a slap in the face to those families.
0: Yeah, it's like, you don't even matter. We need to make our money back. Sorry. But... Jesus, I guess, entrusting taking a plane, a secure one, we're going to fly over to Alaska. So I don't know if anybody's ever heard or seen. Alaska is not usually a state that's in the news very often. So I was excited to find something about them. The Trump administration on Monday, like this past Monday, Announced that it would begin formal processes of selling leases to oil company in like a last-minute push to achieve a really a long-sought-out goal of allowing oil and gas drilling in the Arctic National Wildlife Refugee in Alaska. First of all, sounds dumb as fuck. But yep. that's not weird saucy. The whole buying and selling and leasing of the property over there. Sets up potential sale of leases just before January 20th, just before Inauguration Day. Trump literally wants to leave with like one more chapao, a dumb chapao, but still a chapao. Biden is opposed to drilling in the refugee, and I'm sure we'll try to reverse the effect like after he's inaugurated, but if for some reason Trump really is able to lease these places, it's not going to be good because you know they're going to start like ASAP No Rocky
1: well my thing with that i i was looking into that story too because i'm like that is just a disgusting thing to do the the right isn't right like that that area has been untouched since like the beginning of fucking america
0: right and they even had like not there are like many trials where they had two drills drilled like in the corners of the Quote unquote property to guesstimate how much oil they would be able to get. And the results were sad. They had literally a teaspoon of oil that they were able to extract. So, is that really promising? Like, I understand I that maybe some parts may have pockets, like large pockets of oil, but regardless of what, you shouldn't drill. The Arctic refugee is one of the last vast expanses of wilderness in the United States. It's 19 million acres, and for the most part, it is untouched by people. It has just wildlife on it, like caribou, polar bears, waterfowl. These are all prized animals, and they have been protected by environmentalists, as well as the surrounding native tribes. Um, But Trump is like, nope. I'm going to open that part to oil development because that's what we need to expand domestic fossil fuel production Um, and obviously environmentalists and the group representing an Alaskan tribe, I do not know how to pronounce it so my bad, but I'm going to say Gwich'in. Uh, They live near it. They filed a suit claiming that the Interior Department did not adequately take into account the effects of the oil and gas development on climate change or the wildlife. Those tribes depend on the wildlife in that area. And that's why the wildlife is so pristine still. It's because they take only what they need. They never overkill like we do. And they keep the land fresh. So you are trying to take away their source of food first of all, their source of clothing and whatnot because they can skin and use hide and whatnot. And then you're going to rip off pristine land for oil? Really brev? But the it, Gretchen are quiet. right. The Gretchen tribe are especially concerned, as I said, for the effects on the herds of caribou which roam throughout that part of Alaska and, of course, neighboring Canada. They have not only physical ties to that caribou, like pack, it's also spiritual. They rely on them for food, but they also rely on them for their traditional practices. And obviously drilling there can ultimately affect the survival of them as well as the herds that they need. Aside from that, scientists are more concerned with the polar bears that are there, which come to land from their natural habit, which is the sea ice and whatnot, and ice melts, for hunting. They are already on our endangered species list. Why do we need to kill them off? This
1: year, we already lost the blue macaw, the white rhino. We really need to lose more? Really? Come on. Now, now my thing with this, I'm thinking about it, and Trump wants to start leasing up until the day before the inauguration. Yes. And I know that if this happens, the Biden administration will want to obviously reverse that. But here's my thing. I think it's going to be a trap because if he does get companies to lease this land, if the U.S. government enters into a leasing contract with this company, it's not like Biden can just say, not real. America would probably have to pay an ass ton of money to these companies for a breach of contract if they wanted them to stop.
0: That's right. And the contract could be five, 10, even 15 years. You're going to have to pay them millions of dollars to get out of that.
1: Trillions, billions at least, or billions of dollars. So it's, I think he's setting up a trap for the Biden administration to look bad, no matter what they do, because they're going to look bad because they're going to cost America billions and trillions of dollars, depending on how many companies leased. And if they don't do anything, then they're going to look shitty to all the environmentalist groups that supported them. It's a a trap.
0: It's an awful trap. He just... I understand maybe wanting to look good for yourself sometimes, but this is an entire country, okay? These are people's livelihoods that you're messing with. This is the environment that you're messing with. There are too many aspects of this one stupid deal that you want to make that delve into it. Like, it's too much. I... It made me sad reading it. It made me sad researching it. But I felt as though it was necessary to put out there because as I said, Alaska is not a state that's usually in the limelight. So at least we now know what Trump is trying to do. And this was three days ago.
1: Amazing. Three days ago. But Amazing.
0: I do have one little tidbit. Um, if you do want to do some extra like research this coming week, I implore that you research Ethiopia right now because they are still in yep. their conflict between North and West Ethiopia. Um, it's tensions between the TPLF and the EDF, which EDF is the Ethiopian Defense Forces, and the TPLF are the Tigray People's Liberation Front. They are the current ruling party in that region. Um, there are many people, men. <laughs> That was not correct English. There are many individuals that have perished in the past month. And this infighting, not many individuals can get information since Ethiopia is very much closed off, especially to the Western world. I do not blame them. They've, ugh, I do not blame anybody on the other side of the world for being closed off. However, I think that they should, at least some parts, allow some individuals, to get some coverage of this issue because it is very important. So, yes, take a delve into that if you'd like. It is an important issue. Ethiopia has many resources that we need, many resources that surrounding countries of Ethiopia needs.
1: Yep, thanks for that. We'll keep an eye out on that. And as you Mm -hmm. know, most of the stories we talk about ever, you know, are ongoing. It's not like it just stops today. Everything is ongoing, so, you know. Up to date. Make sure your family and friends aren't in the dark either.
0: Right, and as much as we try to focus on main issues, we also try to bring issues to light that not many people have heard of or yeah. don't even know exist. Yeah. That's what the gals are for.
1: We got you, pals. <laughs> and as usual, follow us on Twitter at igmpodcast. Uh, feel free to interact with us <laughs> there. Share with <laughs> your friends and family. Uh, if you're listening on a platform where you can rate and uh write a review please feel free to do that you know the gals appreciate um but until next time pals
0: we're the gals and don't forget to give us feedback because we love it have a good day and enjoy your week bye